Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I am your host, pregnancy-focused chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Okay, we are back for the after episode of a before and after birth story. My guest today, she's an actor and producer and now a mommy. Congratulations. Welcome back to the podcast, Virginia Rand DeWitt. Thank you. Really fun to be back. (laughs) I mean, my life hasn't changed that much since the last time we talked. I've got a different story. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we're here for. We're here for your story. So as a little bit of a background, your past was not the path most traveled. You kind of got out of the house and got messed up in some things pretty early on, and then somehow pushed yourself into recovery twice. Yeah, Um, everyone doesn't leave school to run away to England at 14 and become an absolute decrepit mess. Yeah, that doesn't even sound appealing. I mean, it used to. Yeah. But not anymore. But, you know, I did manage to stay in school, but I suppose that that does totally negate the whole warning. Stay in school, kids, because guess what? College has drugs. Yeah, but every place has drugs. Yeah. So maybe at least you stayed in school. That's true. Who knows? You can't go back. But the thing is, you have a lot of life experience you had at a very young age and some of them not great experiences. And you're still young and you made a baby. And uh, that's an intense process. And one wonders if those previous life experiences come up at all during the intensity of your transition to motherhood. But we'll get there. I don't know the answer, because as always, I try not to hear the story until we get here to the podcast. In terms of your pregnancy, that was also kind of wild, getting married and traveling around the world. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we were flying back from Tokyo the day of my first trimester, like the cutoff point where they say absolutely no international traveling. And we'd hit Mexico and Berlin right before that. It all just happened at once. I'd also say don't get married in your second trimester in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) So for any listeners who are thinking of getting married in the second trimester in the middle of a pandemic, there you have it. You have been duly warned. Yeah. Would you say not to do that because you're uncomfortable, because there's a lot going on, because, I don't know, people can't come? people can't come. It was stressful. You know, if I could go back and redo certain things, a lot of people can be butthurt at us for a while, but we're really happy now. It'll be six weeks tomorrow. And so far it's been pretty good. Good. Because we're used to being kind of tired and (laughs) and persevering through, but we've also managed to prioritize sleep. So it hasn't been completely miserable. My baby is 18 years old and I still can't figure out how to prioritize sleep. That's true. I did talk to a parent who was like, yeah, talk to me in five years. (laughs) All right. So let's go back to the plan and see how things turned out. The plan was you don't love hospitals. I think the way you said it is you really wanted to feel things, intensity. You wanted to feel labor, but you also said, ask me (laughs) when I'm in labor, if that's the case still. And you plan to give birth at home with midwives. But you also had a plan for giving birth at the hospital with an obstetrician if you decided that you wanted or needed that. That is all I know. Yeah. Well, I was so determined to give birth at home. And everyone was like, you know, you've got this. You're in great shape. You've been preparing for this. You know, even the obgyne was like that. So I pre-registered at the hospital, but I didn't even pack a bag. 
Oh. Everything went the way we didn't expect it to. I don't want to alarm people who are planning natural birth. Go for it. What happened to me is not going to happen to you. It was so <laughs> weird that a oh, midwife no. been working since 1972 was like, well, that was bizarre. I haven't seen that before. Well, at least you get to make her day interesting. Yeah, you know, she was like, if you ever figure that out and get an MRI, like, please let me know. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Did labor start on its own? Labor started on its own six days early. I had climbed a bunch of stairs. If you live in Silver Lake, there's all these random staircases around. I'd been hoping to go into labor a little bit early. I just had that feeling. Also, I was almost 10 pounds as a baby, and I didn't want to reap that karma. Uh, So stairs on purpose for exercise or just stairs stairs to get around? for exercise okay yeah it was nice like we went on a little walk at night with my husband and we chatted and we went home and we turned on escape from new york the john carpenter dystopian movie from the 1980s and exactly what i told him wouldn't happen i'd been saying for months sweetie it's not like in the movies my water's not going to break super randomly in the middle of the movie the couch got covered in amniotic fluid oh wow my water broke, no contractions. Where is this in relation to your due date? This is the week before. This is exactly 39 weeks. Okay, so 39 weeks, you are climbing stairs. Again, is that for exercise or is that to try to get things rolling? A little bit of both. Okay. Are you doing other things to try to get things rolling? Um, I've been eating dates. I got a little acupuncture. I did stuff that they said wouldn't cause labor if I wasn't already in the zone, you know, ripe for it. So nothing crazy, all the old wives tale stuff. But I do think that being active does help because they say first time moms never go into labor early. But I know quite a few who did. My totally uneducated opinion is that they stayed super active right till the end. Mm. Okay, so your water breaks, boom, in the middle of the movie, Mm -hmm. gives your couch a little bath. Yeah, it's 9.30 at night. I call the midwives. They say, you know, you're miles away. Try to get some sleep. Wait, physically miles away from them or miles away from giving birth? Oh, miles away from giving birth. Okay. And they really try to make sure that I haven't peed myself. They're like, how much is there? Like, how much on the floor? And my husband had been running around after me trying to clean it up. So I was like, well, I don't know. And she asked me, well, what does it smell like? And in my head, I thought, it smells like semen. (laughs) It absolutely smells like what's ended up on the bed sheets. And for some reason, I got pious and said, oh, I don't know. It doesn't really smell like anything. (laughs) Well, amniotic fluid smells like semen. Uh, well did you tell her you were lying (laughs) i told her i was lying and she was like why did you lie to me as if she wasn't about to be like elbow deep in my fixing my cervix seven hours later i don't know why i decided to choose that moment to get pious i don't know it's weird yeah and also i never heard that before and i've been doing this for a long time i didn't know that either like i got shy and i didn't want to say it you know it smells like spunk shelly Turns out that was exactly the answer she was looking for. So she tells us to go to sleep or I'm going to have a rough time. And I tell my husband, like, you've got to sleep. He's like, I'm not going to be able to sleep. I was like, you better. 
one of us has to. It's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. Thank God he falls asleep. And a couple hours after my water breaks, I start feeling contractions. And I was like, okay, cool. The famous contractions. Here we go. They're happening. They're happening really quickly after that. And I'd read every story in the Ina May books. I'd watched all of these things on YouTube. And I thought I had a pretty good idea about what early labor was going to be like. And everything I read or saw told me that it didn't go zero to 60 really fast. And so I went from having totally cool, painless contractions to pretty sudden pain in my back and my hip joints. Okay, hold on. Slow down for just a second. Painless contraction. Describe what that feels like. You know, the little pressure in your uterus, that rush of energy kind of like going from one end of your belly to another. When you're not pregnant, do you get period cramps? Yeah. Is there a relationship in what you were feeling? Yeah, I'd say so. It probably feels a bit more magical and wild than period cramps, but it's the same ballpark. Mm. Magical and wild. So those painless cramps all of a sudden turn you said into really intense pain in your back and hip joints. Which part of the hip joint? In the front, the sides, the back, or all of it? All of it. Probably mostly focused on the front. Six weeks later, I still have some pain in my left hip. I guess we'll get into all of that later. But the pain started so intensely that I very quickly couldn't distinguish between that and the contractions. So the very brief moment of the cool, magical, exciting contractions, I became unable to feel them. So I called Shelly again at 2 a.m. because I thought my contractions were really close together. I am on the slightly taller side. And so someone said I might have one of those sped up labors that start with a P. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, precipitous labor. I thought I was having one of those. You know, so I called her again because, you know, I've never experienced this before. I assumed, okay, well, it's painful. It's painful kind of quickly, but labor is meant to be painful. So this just must be part of labor. Hmm. Where are you at this time? You know, it's like two o'clock in the morning. I can't get through labor quietly. So I've left my husband sleeping because I really want him to sleep. And I've just gone out into the living room to try to just labor by myself, Uh, you know, thinking, I feel like this is a little weird and unexpected, but, you know, how naive of me to think that labor wouldn't be painful, even if it's relatively quickly compared to what I was prepared for. But also, I mean, in our conversations, it's not that you were looking for painless labor, You were looking for the normal intensity of labor. You wanted to kind of feel that in your body. But so far, it sounds like you're off to a not normal intensity of labor start, especially with that feeling like your back is going to break in half pain. All right, let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll find out what happens next. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Balm. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered 
Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Yeah. Guess what? We're back with Virginia. Okay. Wow. Your labor starts just as you described it would never happen one week before your due date with a giant gush of water breaking on your sofa. And then magical, painless cramps all of a sudden become very, very, very intense in a short period of time in your back and in your hips. So it's around 2.30 in the morning and you call your midwife back. How does that conversation go? She basically walks me through exactly what I'm feeling and lets me know that the pain in my back are not contractions. And my contractions that are actually happening are not close together, that I'm still very far away from dilation. They don't come until true contractions are three minutes apart. So again, try to go to sleep, get some rest. She stayed on the phone with me for like half an hour trying to figure out what was going on. And eventually the conclusion was we just have to keep waiting. So I waited a few more hours and by some bizarre alignment of the way things worked out, my mother's flight had been booked for that day. It's now Monday morning, 39 weeks plus one day. And her flight had been booked for that day for like two months. So I knew she would be at the airport on the East Coast, Boston Logan, since there are no direct flights from Rhode Island. And I called her and said, you know, I went into labor last night. So by the time you land, I don't really know where we're going to be. It was great news for her because her main concern was that she'd land in LA and we'd all just be staring at each other with her thumbs up our asses for three weeks. So she got her wish, but she stayed on the phone with me for a little bit. I ended up having to get off the phone with her because the gate announcer at Boston Logan was taking her job really seriously. And the last thing I wanted to hear was a woman screaming through an intercom mm. across the continental U.S., the calling sounds of labor and delivery. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So are so, there things that you try to do to get more comfortable? So you're not usually supposed to get in the bath after your water breaks, but Shelly had told me I can do that because it was so weird how uncomfortable I was so quickly. 
I tried stretching. I tried breathing. I turned on 30 rock for <laughs> some comic relief. And it was just getting worse and worse and worse. So around 5.30, I decided to call my doctor's office. It just so happened that my guy was the one on call. And he sounded worried. I was like, you know, my water broke at 9.30. It's 5 a.m. And I'm already in horrible amounts of pain. And he was like, that's weird. You should either come in or you need to get the midwives over right now. And so I called Shelly and Shawnee and they could just hear in my voice, like something was bizarre. So they came over way earlier than they usually do for labor. And is this the backup doctor that generally works together with them? Yeah, he's someone who they've sent people to before and he's comfortable being your backup doctor provided that he sees you regularly during the pregnancy so like co-care yeah as if you were his patient and he's so sweet and lovely that i'm really glad that i did see him throughout the pregnancy okay so what happens when they come over is your husband awake yet yeah i think he wakes up around the time that i call the midwives after i've called the hospital he wakes up naturally because I end up back in our bedroom laboring in more and more pain. So they come over and they sit on the bed with me and they check my cervix and I'm only one centimeter dilated. And I didn't know if this could happen, but even though the baby was in a totally great position, my cervix was not. Meaning what? So the baby's head was down by my crotch and my cervix was like above the baby's head. Oh, wow. I didn't know that could happen. So That's a visual. Yeah. So first things first, Shelly reached up, grabbed my cervix, and pulled it down to be beneath the baby's head. That does not sound comfortable. It was a bummer, but I would go through having my cervix repositioned all day rather than have to go through back labor again. <laughs> Did that help at all ease up the back labor? Um, I think that it took some of the relief out of my back, but everything was still in my hips, you know, Hmm. maybe even stronger. So they reposition my cervix and then they go through all the things that usually helps putting pressure on my hips, putting me in a hot shower, putting me in a bath, walking me around. They send me and my husband to go for a walk outside, which I'd read in all the midwives books is usually a great idea. I think in our case, since they didn't exactly know how deep in my hips it was at this point, that that sort of backfired because it was really hot. There were a lot of people out and it put the already pretty unbearable pressure in my hips into total overdrive because after that, I was screaming like a medieval torture victim on the rack. Oh, wow. So what time of morning is this? This is sort of 7, 8 a.m. And we get back to the house. I'm in really bad shape. And, you know, they keep trying certain things. I'm like stripped down naked with one of the midwives behind me trying to guide my hips in a way to alleviate some of the pressure. And I'm just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing like a toddler thinking this is not normal. You know, I've only been in labor for 10 hours and I've been in pain for... 10 hours <laughs> and you're maybe one centimeter 
and I'm maybe one centimeter. I think by the time I left to go to the hospital, because spoiler alert, that's where I ended up, I was about three centimeters. They told me that I was like, we're phoning it in. This is crazy. This has been crazy from the beginning, but I really wanted to give it a shot. I mean, I had a feeling in the middle of the night when things were going so weird and so painful so fast, but I really wanted to try. But as we were talking about, I eventually just felt like, you know, I wanted to experience what labor felt like. And I don't even feel my uterus at this point. Like I have no idea what's going on. My husband can feel my contractions. Like he can feel these rushes of energy moving through my body when he's holding me and I'm screaming and screaming and crying, but I can't feel that. All I can feel are my hips feeling like they're being ripped off. Wow. I mean, it literally sounds like torture. It was bad. And again, like, I don't want to scare anyone who's planning natural birth because it was so weird and left field. And obviously pain is normal-ish during labor at some point, but the location of it was so peculiar. And it's worth noting your midwives, I've done births with them before, and one of them has been delivering babies, I believe, since before I was born. And she has seen everything. Yeah. Twice. I think we'd even been talking about this in the last podcast, like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. Shelly's seen everything twice. And she was weirded out. Right. So how does this align with typical childbirth? It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, I couldn't feel like the baby. I couldn't feel my uterus contracting and expanding. You know, I couldn't feel labor. It was totally overshadowed by whatever was going on in my hips. Now, in your area of expertise, there are a lot of quirks in my body (laughs) that I had, you know, tried to work on. And I historically have problems with my hips if they were in more pain than usual during pregnancy, like, I guess I didn't notice because I'm so used to chronic pain at this point in that area that, you know, I don't know what's going on. But afterwards, they kept asking me, have you ever broken your pelvis? Have you ever had injuries? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm a recovering drunk. Like I've fallen down lots of stairs. I've slept in really weird positions for 10 years. You know, I was also a horseback rider. I've fallen off of a lot of horses. Like, it's hard to tell what's going on. I've also had problems with my knees. I've sprained both my ankles. I've sprained my neck. I've pulled my shoulder blades multiple times. And it all seems to have settled in the middle in my hips. So there's a lot of bunk going on in there. I mean, because you also have some sexual trauma. Is there any thought of that trauma playing a role definitely i mean it's a fairly haunted area (laughs) right on all levels yeah so when you go to the hospital what time of day is that so i believe it was 10 30 that we finally went to the hospital you know i waited as long as i could and later i heard from the midwives they said we knew pretty quickly on that you were going to go to the hospital but we tried to keep you at home as long as possible to avoid a cesarean 
and I did manage to have vaginal delivery. So, yay. (laughs) I mean, you had a vision for your birth, and that was in your planning. That was your page one of your birth plan, and you made plans for page two, three, and four if you needed to go there. But you literally did co-care with two sets of providers. Yeah, so there were a lot of elements about the hospital that I was prepared for. I was so grateful that I knew the doctor in advance um, that I'd registered. However, hubris really got me. I didn't even have a hospital bag. So there was a pretty chaotic moment trying to just grab like a phone charger and like a pair of socks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Trying to get ready to go. The phone charger might be the number one item in the bag. Honestly, if you're going to bring anything, phone charger. Otherwise, you're disconnected from the outside world, which some people, you know, it might sound dreamy, but it's eerie. Yeah, you know, and hospitals post-COVID are still a pretty weird place. I am grateful that they're still not allowing tons of people on the ward, even though it meant the midwives couldn't be there, which is usually their M.O., But because my husband and my mom were the two people filling the slots, it meant that they couldn't come. And they were really bummed about it. They texted me afterwards. I'm sure. I mean, they're very committed. All right. So they leave. I mean, they leave. And you and your mom and your hubby go to the hospital. Well, my mom hasn't landed yet. I think that she's oh, wow. around this time. So she's just in contact with my husband. I have no idea what's going on. Like he had to keep kind of leaving the room to cry. If anyone is traumatized by the birth, I think it's him more than me because I didn't have to witness myself. And if I had to witness my partner in that much pain, I think I would be pretty chilled to the bone. And I was saying such crazy shit. in the midst of it, that I'd be kind of looking at myself thinking, you need to dial it in. Like, you sound horrifying. I was like, oh, God, help me. Somebody, please help me. I'm in so much pain. Help me. Help me. Mm. And I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop screaming, help me. And that's how it was through the hospital ward where labor and delivery is not the only department and there are all these people with their children watching me (laughs) being wheeled down the hall you know we're in LA it was kind of that like iconic classic movie literally what it sounds like like the exact thing that I said wouldn't happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it sounds like okay cut we're gonna do another take oh completely like we rolled up to Good Samaritan. I'd been in the front seat of the car screaming in pain. And there was a bit of a reprieve as we pull up to the valet. And my husband jumps out, his shirt's on inside out. He's sweating. He's been crying. It's August in LA, now close to the middle of the day. And he's like, is this labor and delivery? And all of a sudden from the inside of the car, you can just hear me screaming wildly in pain. And I think that the valet did have to laugh a little bit. <laughs> what a scene. You know, because it was so classic. And so they get me into a wheelchair. They get me up to the eighth floor with labor and delivery after scaring all these people in the other parts of the hospital. I mean, I could not keep it together. And I kept thinking, you're here. 
you know you're getting an epidural, surely some placebo effect has got to kick in and you're going to hold it together through the next round of pain. You know, because while I couldn't feel the contractions in the normal sense, it's like they were putting pressure on the hips. So I was getting these waves of more intense pain versus less intense pain. Well, hopefully you're only minutes away from some relief. Hopefully. Let's take a little break and we'll find <laughs> out the rest of this story. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Virginia Rand DeWitt. Um, things not going according to plan, but very Hollywood. <laughs> At least there's that. I was thinking being wheeled through, like clutching my stomach. I gained 50 pounds during pregnancy. I'm huge. I'm sobbing. I'm screaming. Oh, God, help me. Somebody please help me. Like it was really classic were you able to get uh epidural on the quick side no of course not <laughs> rarely first they take me to one room i'm like screaming too much and scaring people so they eventually just put me straight in the delivery room i am grateful that post-covid even though the midwives couldn't be there but it meant that there weren't these huge families in the hallway hearing me screaming and pleading with god in pain mm -hmm. I'm like banging on the side of the bed and there was a sort of comfort in being like all the stuff that people don't like about the hospital. I found sort of comforting. Like it's so by the book, like this conveyor belt, they see people screaming in pain every day. They're not amused. This is another day at the office and they just kick into gear. And the first thing that needs to happen is they need to put an IV in me and fill me up with saline solution before they can give me an epidural and they were just very robotic. And the first thing they did was put a needle in my hand and then hand my husband a bottle of KY jelly and say, uh, take her wedding ring off. Oh, interesting. You know, which I think was just totally surreal to him. Like I'm still screaming in pain and now he's got to like yank off the wedding ring that he had just so lovingly put on me four months beforehand and hasn't been off since. Interesting. Yeah. So 
they fill me up with saline solution. I am sweating and banging the side of the bed and pleading. And finally, the anesthesiologist comes in and he has this very calming presence. He's got this beautiful Nigerian accent. And I've never been so happy to see a stranger in my life. <laughs> and it's great because, you know, this horrifying reaction is taking place in my body and everyone around me had been kind of disturbed until we got to the hospital and they were just like, all right, screaming woman, get the needles in her back. And he was really funny because right when he was finishing up, I was like, I'm having another contraction and I'm about to start screaming. And he just goes, oh, well, don't make me start over, please. Ooh. You mean like he wasn't in yet? He wasn't fully finished. And he said, you know, stay curled over like a shrimp cocktail. Wow. How was that contraction? You had to do that unmedicated. I had to do it unmedicated without moving. You know, by now it's almost noon. So I'd been having, you know, the pain alongside the contractions for 12 hours. And this was the last one. But it was hard because I'm in this weird frame to theoretically hold my head in place, even though my head wasn't fully touching it, like only my arms could get there. There were a lot of labors and deliveries happening that day. So I think the nurse had left without fully getting me into the frame to keep me in position. Whoopsie. You know, it was surreal, but I was also determined to not make this man start over you know, and he was so chill that it helped me. Well, the last thing you want is a super anxious anesthesiologist coming into your room at that moment. How quickly did it kick in? It took maybe 10 minutes to fully quicken, but I got relief quickly. Like it turned down the volume immediately. So with the body volume down, where does your mind go? I mean, I don't know when the last time you had like a screaming tantrum was. It may have been decades, but if you've had like a huge emotional outburst and then you stop, there's this weird eerie calm, like the calm after a storm, so to speak. So I felt very zen, you know, and it had been so bizarre and unexpected and surreal that once the pain was lifted, it was just like, okay, let's gather our surroundings and see where we're at. Do you get checked around that time? Yeah. I'm, I assume that they checked my dilation and I was like a little under halfway. The doctor came in. He was really relieved that I was there and was just like, all right, let's get the show on the road. I'm going to put you on a small dose of Pitocin, even though you're already dilating and let's rodeo. What's the rationale for that? I don't know. Like, I'm just saying, is it because your water's broken and you're kind of on a clock or things are progressing slowly or you're just ready to get this thing done? I guess they're just ready to get things done. I think also there were a lot of labors happening that day. It was August 8th. Zodiacs will note that that was the Lionsgate portal, which I guess is a big day of the Zodiac calendar. I didn't know that until that day. So, you know, all the reasons people don't want to go to hospital. They were busy. They wanted things to get moving. But at that time, you're okay with this? 
I was just like, you know, we're surrendering. Like we're doing this the way you're doing it. I'm sick of having to make decisions. You know, I'm here. I'm in the system. Put me on the conveyor belt. (laughs) (laughs) At what time does your mom come? She arrived. This was so wild. Like an hour after the epidural set in. Okay, so you're calm. Yeah, she landed. She texted my husband. He was like, we're at the hospital. Just get in an Uber straight here. So she brought her little carry-on bag and came straight to the hospital and got into my room. And she was totally chill. Is your husband feeling better too now that you're not suffering once everything calmed down and i wasn't screaming that was sort of when he had his first reaction he'd been very stoic throughout the insanity and once it all stopped it was just like holy shit. like mm-hmm. that can go in a lot of ways is that like a pretty bonding moment at that time where Yeah, I mean, you know, it's birth, it's bonding. I never wanted him to witness something like that. And I don't think I could ever witness him or anybody in that much pain, you know. And he's seen some f***ed up in his life. You know, like he was a junkie for years. He lived with Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. Like he's seen some weird And he was like, that is the most f***ed up thing I've ever seen. Wow. You know, I guess it's not just your midwives that you wowed. Yeah, it was wild. You know, he's had overdoses. He's witnessed overdoses and I've witnessed an overdose. It's horrifying. But that sort of pain was really inhuman and ungodly. And I think what was nice, well, not nice about it, but I did try to keep in perspective, like, thank God I'm doing this in 2022 and not... 1822 like if this were happening 200 years ago i would think you know god hates me i'm being ripped out from the inside by demons and this is a fate worse than death (laughs) i knew that i could always go to the hospital and thank god i knew that i was gonna be okay at the end like i was scared at certain points mostly just because i was frantic because your nervous system can't handle that much intensity without getting overwhelmed and i'd start hyperventilating and getting really panicky but i didn't think i was gonna die i didn't think that anything was gonna happen that was you know irreparable how was your time from five to ten centimeters Oh my God, it was so chill. Like they just left us alone for three hours. Is that how long it took? Um, Yeah, before I started pushing and, you know, and the Pitocin got to work. The epidural was crazy. It felt like my legs were just underwater in a different dimension. Did it totally get rid of that hip craziness? Yeah. They even considered giving me fentanyl at one point, but the anesthesiologist was already there. So there was kind of no point. Oh, IV fentanyl. Yeah. I was like, if you were going to do this, you should have done it an hour ago. But I am grateful that they didn't give me crazy drugs, particularly because the day after I gave birth, one of our friends died of a fentanyl overdose. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, He was much more close with my husband than I was with him. The day after we got back from hospital, so two days after the baby was born, you know, and he's known so many people who've died. But when Mike died and the baby had just been born, it just put life and death into so much perspective and i think what really 
just got him was that his mother found him. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so after such an intense experience, I don't think you can really witness death the same way after you have a kid. You know, it's easy to say death is just a part of life until you've witnessed the beginning of life. I think you see like how intense and final and how someone's kid is being pulled away from them. And, you know, I'm really sorry that his family went through that. You know, I'm getting sidetracked because I know we're supposed to be talking about It's unimaginable. It's unimaginable. When you were pushing, did you feel anything? Yeah, I was able to feel enough. And I'd felt so calm by then. And, you know, you'd ask about a bonding moment, but, you know, my mom got here. And so she and my husband and I just hung out for three hours And basically, like, no one bothered us. And we were on the eighth floor, and it was a pretty day. And the hospital room had hardwood floors, and the sun was out streaming through the windows. And so it wasn't so bad. How long did you push for? Like 45 minutes. (laughs) It was was just typical, right? It's not that. It was very, you know the reason people hate hospitals and I found it very comforting. Like the nurse could not have been more blase telling me that I was 10 centimeters. I was like, Oh wow. Like, so am I ready to push? And she kind of pulled off her glove and sighed and was like, yeah, you know. (laughs) 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 So congratulations. Thank you. Six weeks later, how has the, recovery been on all the different levels physical emotional psychological i mean after you know sort of a dramatic labor like it's been really chill you know we've been able to prioritize sleep my mom stayed for the first four weeks and was super happy to take the screaming infant at one o'clock in the morning this is her first grandchild so she did a lot for us and she was really sad to go back to the east coast she cried a lot i'll be coming back soon and I'm so grateful to her for coming out and really kicking into maternal gear. And I know, I think I spoke about her at length the last time, and I can't speak for her, but I think that she really wanted to show up in ways that she wasn't able to when I was a little kid, just because she was so overwhelmed. And so I feel like there was a lot of healing done in that time. And the baby's great. I mean, I am a big crier. I always cry during birth scenes in movies. So I thought that I would just be this weeping hysterical mess. And maybe because I'd been awake for so long because the baby was born. But also, I was just so surprised when I saw him. I mean, obviously, I was emotional. But when he finally popped out and I saw him and he was all pink and chubby and just staring at me and he was breathing without crying, like looking at me and breathing like these heavy, ragged breaths. I was like, oh my goodness, who are you? Oh, that's amazing that at least on the other side, you got the picture you were hoping for. Yeah, you know, and I mean, we got a terrible sleep because in the hospital, they like, don't let you turn the lights off. And they come in every four hours to press on your tummy. And my husband was, you know, they have this partner caught which is just this horrific, you know, springy, sagging in the middle, like terrifying mattress from chiropractor's dream. Oh, completely. And so he stayed on that, 
with the baby in the little aquarium, but you know. Have you guys processed the birth together and or with the midwives? Yeah, so the midwives stay in our lives for so I'll be six weeks in a couple of days. And so they've been taking care of us and seeing us every two weeks. So our last visit with them is on Tuesday and I'm seeing the doctor for a follow-up, but you know, the midwives have a lot more hands-on care. So they walked me through latching on for breastfeeding and weighing me and weighing the baby and I was able to text them for all the funny things that happened in the first couple of weeks. And so they stayed in a lot of contact, which is, you know, a great reason to have midwives, even if you do end up in the hospital, because I don't know if I said this earlier, but if my story can help anyone who is considering a natural birth, it's just that things can go super incredibly sideways and you're going to be okay. And the midwives are still going to be there and they're still going to help, you know. Flexibility is pretty important. Yeah, you know, and like, I don't really have regret. Like, I thought that I would be more bummed and, you know, everyone was worried that I'd be bummed because I was so determined. And honestly, I probably could have phoned it in earlier when things were going so bananas during the labor. I probably could have gone to the hospital earlier. So, you know, I really tried. But we also said, I think that our families were really happy that I ended up going to hospital, especially since things got so weird so fast. But, you know, we said if things look bizarre, like we'll go and not try to be martyrs. I may have tried to be a martyr for <laughs> for a little bit an hour or two before um, I was done. Well, you're an amazing human. And I have so much curiosity still. Maybe I don't even know. I think maybe it'll be six months down the road or or more before your mind and body get a full chance to sort of process and maybe we'll never know why things went sideways so quickly and so interestingly or maybe we will find clues who knows i'm along for the ride as long as i'm welcome my one question is with what you know now what you've experienced and what you know now if you were going to have another baby in the not too distant future do you have thoughts on how you would plan for that birth yeah I have no idea. I mean, the midwives were like, <laughs> they're open now, you know, and you've got to try it again. And then they were like, look, you might need another epidural. Like, we don't know, but we really hope you give home birth a shot because you're just someone who should do it. And, you know, they were, I think, really sad and really trying to find answers because I guess, you know, we all thought I was a sure thing. And you know, it just didn't happen the way we expected to. So I'm kind of avoiding the question because it's I, really early for the, it's not really a fair question, but I was just curious. If you had a, a, <laughs> well, an inkling it's, it's a very obvious question though. I mean, it's the whole point of this podcast. It was the first thing that the midwives wanted to talk about. The thing that really gives me pause is I don't know if I could put my husband through that again. Like if it were just me, you know, maybe I'd give it a shot, but I, feel like it's inhumane to make someone who loves you go through that. Like, I don't think he's ever cried that much in his life silently in the other room because he didn't want me to feel bad about him crying. <laughs> wow. wow. But wow. I don't know if I could mentally handle watching someone go through that. So I have everlasting love and respect for him anyway, but I almost feel like he went through something more intense than I did. 
obviously not, but in a way. <laughs> you know, when you agree to do a before and after podcast, we and you have no idea how the birth is going to go. You just know you've done to plan for it. You know what kind of vision you have. And uh, then we come back and find out how it all went. And it takes like a bit of courage to kind of do that. And almost unanimously, the reason people do it is to help somebody else learn from your experience and to learn things from your experience that you couldn't really have learned without going through it. And that is helpful to people. The feedback on these types of episodes is very, very strong. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing it and for sharing so open and raw. And I don't know, hopefully when the time is right, I'll still be doing podcasts and we'll do another one and see how round two goes. I think the story is just beginning. We shall see. As they say, more will be revealed. I really hope I didn't scare anyone off from trying. Well, you scared me off from trying, but <laughs> I'm just a scaredy cat to begin with. Virginia, where can we find you online? Uh, the only social media I'm on is Instagram, virginia.rand, R-A-N-D dot DeWitt, D-E-W-I-T-T. And there's like links to my website and stuff there. I really try to not be on social media, but <laughs> in my line of work, it's kind of a necessary evil at this point. Totally. I understand that. Virginia.rand.dewitt. We will see you there online. And I would say to our followers, if you're interested in more content about pregnancy and parenthood, visit us online at informedpregnancy.com. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. <laughs>